Welcome to What's NXT, a podcast about NXT that's going to probably be a little looser this week than normal. I'm Tristan Marsh. I'm Alec Basio. And this is What's NXT for the episode on December 27th, 2017. Last one of the year, Alec. That's right. This is our final What's NXT of 2017. To celebrate, I invited Tristan over. We're sitting in the same room. We're talking into the same one microphone. We're doing it live. We'll do it live. No. We'll do it live. Fuck it. And we're getting drunk. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. So I'm very comfortable. This is how my podcasts usually run. But Tristan might be a little bit shy. Don't take it seriously if he... I'm a nervous Nelly. If he gets a little bit, you know, anxious. But don't worry, guys. It's gonna go great. Fucking thing sucks! I'm, I'm happy for your confidence. Thank you. I have all the confidence <laughs> of the world in you. How could either of us make a mistake at all when we're wearing our Undisputed Era t-shirts? Yeah, uh, thank you very much, Alec. Alec bought us Undisputed Era t-shirts. Because we are Undisputed. Yes, we are. No one can dispute us. No one. I got you a gift, but uh, it's in the mail, so you'll just have to wait. I'm excited for it. <laughs> we'll just be waiting for that. Happy New Year. This is going to be coming out on the 1st. Oh, good. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Yeah. Hope you're not too hungover. Hope you're ready for Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Woo. I'm going to be. That's going to be good, boy. It's going to be boy. really good. But before we can get to that, that's next week, why don't we talk about the wrestling this week? All right, sounds like a plan. Why don't you uh, stop going through your notebook so that we don't have a bunch of paper noise in the background? We don't have, we won't have the paper noise. <laughs> I'm very quiet. Okay. I have a lot of experience. Okay. There are certain noises you'll always hear on my podcasts, like that radiator. But there are certain noises you don't always hear, like this. You never hear that. Let me ask you a question. Yes. You want to get some bullshit out of the way? Oh, I love getting bullshit out of the way. You watch Raw? Nope. You watch uh, SmackDown Live? Nope. It was actually better than Raw, at least. I heard it was actually pretty good. Yeah. Kevin, Sammy, Shane McMahon is an evil overlord thing is going into some interesting directions. Mm. You watch 205 Live? No, I did not. I watched... Jinder Mahal working out with some guy that I watch his workout videos on the internet. That's almost 205 Live. <laughs> That's like 205 Live. Okay. And the Singh brothers were there. Did he talk a lot about diet and exercise? He talked about an injury that he had, and the guy who was also like a physical trainer kind of guy worked him through some exercises that could help him you know, train without getting that injury. Like always, whenever I see Jinder Mahal outside of WWE, I'm like, this is a really likable, nice, humble guy. (laughs) And I just, I was watching this video. It's like a two-part video. And I'm like, I really like Jinder Mahal as a person. So there you go. Last but not least, you watch Sailor Moon? Of course. (gasps) Don't have a cow? Spy skating one. It's the one that tells you you're not a loser. That doesn't make you a loser either. Sailor Moon says... Yeah, that's the best part. (laughs) Get a life! Now that we've gotten that out of the way, why don't we talk about the episode? Yeah, let's get going. This one's going to be real fun because we also watched the episode together, guys. Which means that while we really love Nigel and we really love Moro, 
we were kind of commentating for ourselves. We also love Percy. We love Percy, but he wasn't there. Was he there? Yeah. You didn't, didn't hear him at all. Oh my god. You didn't hear him talking during the entire Street Profits match about how they celebrate every day. That's what I'm talking about. Follow them. I celebrate every day too. When you come from obscurity, come from nothing, and you end up here in front of this crowd, in front of the NXT universe, you cannot but be hyped. Hey, nice look. You gotta agree, man. This is the most exciting electric fighting tag team in NXT. No, I don't have to agree oh, with that at all, Percy. Because electrofighting is not a word. Electrofighting? Nigel McGuinness. Nigel McGuinness is one of the few people who uh, enjoys Ed Sheeran's rapping, so let's leave it at that. I don't think he did. I don't remember he that. He did. He did? Alec, you're a racist. Oh, shut up. <laughs> you're a lightweight. A lightweight? What you're are you already about? getting drunk here. I am not getting drunk. Talking shit to me. I am not getting drunk. I am having a good time. There is a difference. <laughs> Damn it. I knew this would happen when we got together, guys. I didn't hear Percy talking about Street Profits, which is unfortunate because it shows that I was already in revelry mode for the first match, which was Street Profits versus some guys who were already standing in the ring. Yeah, definitely a quadruple question mark here. They yeah. don't mention these guys' names until halfway through. And I only know what one of their names is. It's Riley Apex. I don't know who the fuck the other guy is. The other guy, they keep calling different shit. Yeah, I thought like, it was like Chris Scars once, but then it was like... what NWO Johnson or something <laughs> like that. Like, <laughs> what, the hell? what the fuck is that? I don't know if that was who they were really talking about. Like, I don't know. One of these mystery guys is five foot four. And completely jacked with, like, electrician's tape around his biceps. Yeah, very weird. And way too aggro. <laughs> yeah, but I think that, that was cool. I mean, he was trying to just get something. I can only imagine how terrible it must feel to be, like, a super jobber. Where you're literally, you're talking to the guy behind the stage. They're like, go out. You know, you get your entrance and everything. It's going to be great. And then you just realize, during your entrance, cameras aren't. Oh, no. They're not going to see this. No one's going to see this. So you have to try to do something. The lights are just on full. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> have, to, you, you have to figure out something you can do. And for this guy, I guess... It's to, like, have a weird Napoleon complex. <laughs> yeah, and just flex. At least he was doing something, because the other guy was literally just tall. His yeah. character is tall. Tall and... Semi-long hair. Who knows if we'll ever see them again. I don't know. I kind of want to see, like, short aggro guy again, though, because there's something about that. That's what happens to jobbers. They get brought in, and they're like, this is the rec room. You're not going to be able to get in there. We're not going to give you a key. Sorry. Well, welcome aboard. Uh, I just want you to know it's a real team here, and it's not working out. What? You see, Bellamy, you're just not doing well enough. <laughs> But I, I've only been here five minutes. Thank you so much for showing up. We really think that you have future here, but you don't have a future here. Yeah. You have to leave now. We've got your card. Yeah. We'll maybe call you at some point just to find out if you're still alive. I almost forgot. Here's your security pass, which you'll have to return to me immediately. We've been already talking for about as long as the match has gone on, but not as long as uh, Dawkins and Ford spend in the ring together. It's, yes. it's one of those odd paradoxes where they do another one of those spots where they're both doing a move, 
but it takes longer than the entirety of the match. There is more time spent doing a complicated handshake in the <laughs> middle of this match than the actual time between bell ringing. Maybe Angelo Dawkins has a super condensed like neutron star in his stomach. Time moves slower just for them than for everybody else. I guess probably the most important thing when you're going into this match is to realize that the Street Profits are dancing and everyone is shouting A, A, A for about as long as that match is going to take before the bell even rings. (laughs) Montez Ford is on the ramp and is doing his weird shimmies and just walking like a goofball. But then it also cuts to Angelo Dawkins, who's just skipping like a happy schoolgirl all the way around the ring like multiple times. Yeah, I guess he just realized he was like, I need to get some additional physicality into my performance. And decided to go with the skip. Everything he does this time is a skip, and it kind of looks really fun. It catches on. I mean, I think... Ford does like a running man in place that looks a little bit like it. But he always does the running man. This time, Angelo Dawkins is skipping around him while he's doing the running man. It's very weird, fam. He's also decided that fam is going to be his new thing. It's his catchphrase. I think that somebody heard you say last week that he says fam about one too many times. Because after this match, they cut a promo. Every single sentence that Angelo Dawkins says... He punctuates by yelling, fam. Yeah, it's a real yell of the fam. It's not even, it's, it's like there's they three exclamation Fam! <laughs> there's three exclamation points. This promo lasts about three quarters of the same length as their match. It's pretty cool. They go up into the crowd. NXT guy, we're wondering why is this guy not in the front? Well, it's because he's standing probably where the producers told him Street Profits are going to stand right there. Because he's flipping the fuck out. Although NXT guy seems like one of those weird groupies where the producers didn't tell him. He just knows where to hang out to hear where a producer will say into a microphone, prep southeast corner for Street Profits promo. And he's like, I gotta get to that corner. Yeah, that actually might be exactly it. He does barrel his way to the front later because by the end of the episode he's definitely back in the front nxt guy is all places at all times waiting for a wrestler to do something so that he can stand behind them yelling incoherently how much you want to bet that this is the longest running promo package that they're ever going to do when mcintyre comes back from his injury and he challenges whoever has the belt and he's like i'm gonna win it for us because we are nxt and then nxt guy is going to stand up He's going to get in the ring. He's going to give him a stunner. And he's going to say, no, I am NXT. (laughs) And he's been a wrestler this entire time. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) There could be a weird... He's been sucking the souls of the other wrestling fans to power him up. Yeah, he's he's very fun. I mean, I have a great time with him, but he's almost too into the Street Profits. (laughs) He's almost too into NXT. For two guys that are doing an NXT podcast, yeah. he's very into everything. I guess we should just say what they actually said during their promo, which is, we're putting everyone on notice. Authors of pain, they got cool vests, but fuck them. Yeah. E- every sentence has the same structure. Sure. Montez Ford mentions a tag team. Yeah. Angelo Dawkins says something about the tag team. 
Montez Ford responds to him, and then Angelo Dawkins says, but they ain't us, fam. Yeah. But I really liked the response to Angelo Dawkins saying that authors of pain have cool vests, because every other thing Montez Ford actually responds to what he says, this time he just goes, eh. <laughs> I agree like, to disagree. Agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. <laughs> yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of their vests. I mean, I don't know if I would be able to incorporate it into my look. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can see how it looks good on them, but I wouldn't say in general the vests are cool. You and I aren't seven foot tall Eastern European paramilitary. I like that sanity is uh, fun at parties. Yeah. And also, when Montez Ford says sanity, he, like, wiggles his head all over the place. And he also goes, ah! Yeah. He's definitely he, he got an Eric Young yeah. going on. He doesn't quite do the Eric Young, yeah! I don't know if he can. Yeah. Without just destroying his vocal cords. Yeah, he's got too, too buttery of a voice. Yeah. I have a hard time, and I sound like shit all the time, so... There you go. Undisputed Era, and the crowd boos. They go something right. They go, you won the belts, but next year we're taking them from you. And the crowd goes fucking ape shit. Yeah. It's nice to hear that Street Profits are maybe going to graduate from squash matches and hype promos and go into real tag team contendership picture. Oh, yeah. But I like that this was a squash match. You see Montez Ford do his really great frog splash. You see Angelo Dawkins throw Montez Ford onto somebody. Yeah. They win. And then they're up in the crowd and they're like, they even say, we came, we saw it next year, we're going to conquer. And yeah. you're like, yeah, okay, good. Yeah. And it's good that they just beat these guys that not even the commentary team knows one of their names. <laughs> NWO Jason. <laughs> I like that we can remember them calling him MWO something. Yeah. But it's like... And then I thought they said Chris Scars. I have no clue where the fuck that came from. The only one that they said more than once was Riley Apex. I still don't even know which of the two that was. Yeah, that could be either one of them. Now we've got our next match, which is unfortunately not a big feel-good match. It's Sonya Deville versus Ember Moon. This is a match where two wrestlers that we both like a lot Get into the ring, get no crowd reaction, basically, Ugh. and finish a storyline that didn't need to happen and has no build. They put on a competent match, but yeah. the most sound you hear from the audience is when Ember Moon is entering, there's a small pop, and then by the first time coming back from commercial, Alec and I are pointing out people in the audience checking their phones. And this is like crazy because these are two wrestlers that, you know, they've been having very good matches. Ember had a great program with Asuka that basically catapulted her into like stardom. And then now she's kind of floundering because they're just feeding her a bunch of weird crap to do and weird weakness spots where she just looks really weak. And DeVille actually has been coming into her own and been able to deliver promos and stuff. And now they're putting her into situations where... She's on two shows at once, and her character is so muddied that nobody really knows whether or not to cheer her or boo her. A lackey on one of the shows, but she's in championship contendership for the other show, but 
the other show keeps talking about the first show, so that makes you know that there's no real chance for her to win the belt. Everybody knew what was going to happen. It was a foregone conclusion the minute that the match was announced that Ember Moon was going to win, and Ember Moon, spoiler, wins, because you can't have someone who's on another show win your belt. What's going to happen? She's going to go wearing that belt, standing next to Paige, who doesn't have a belt, so it makes Paige look like a dumb-dumb? She's not going to be standing next to Paige. Paige got injured, brother. Oh, well, there you go. It just doesn't make any sense. It it's really doesn't make sense. And it's it, not even the booking so much as... Because the things that happened in the match could have been interesting, could have been good, if there was any drive behind watching a wrestler... Who's literally part-timing it on two shows. The reason why the second Ruby Riot match fell so flat is because they didn't have any build-up to it. And you felt like the previous match had already killed it. If they had had a promo before that match saying, Hey, I want a match without any rope breaks. Because she keeps getting rope breaks and that's bullshit. That might have been interesting. The problem isn't that these matches are bad. The problem is, even with the good promo work that Sonya Deville is doing, she's only doing half the work needed because she's somewhere else. If they were showing up every week building this as a feud, that would be one thing, but they aren't, so Ember Moon comes out and you're like, why the fuck should I care? It makes Ember look bad. It does. Because Ember now needs to be the new Asuka, basically. She needs to be so fucking dominant. Yeah. To prove to people, I didn't just inherit this from Asuka, I fucking deserve it. Yeah, Instead, she doesn't need a streak, but she needs to look like she can beat everyone without struggling her way through matches. Yeah, instead, she comes back, she faces Peyton Royce in a really good match, but then it ends with this shot of her clutching the belt to her at the end, and you're like, that doesn't make her look fucking dominant. No. And now she spends way too long to defeat Sonya Deville in a match that you knew she was going to win. So why not just have her squash Sonya Deville? Sonya Deville's going to go to the main roster and never be seen again. I guess, except at one point... Nigel says she has a bright future here on NXT. Dot, dot, dot. And on Raw. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking make up your mind, man. Nobody knows. (laughs) It's insane. We usually talk a lot about Nigel because he's an amazing, purposeful commentator. He purposefully says fun and goofy stuff that engages us. Yeah. Um, this was the episode of Nigel being a good commentator in the way that I feel Booker T is a good commentator because he's fucking shit up left and right. Um, we'll talk about it later, but at one point... During the final match in the night, he doesn't have monitor access for half of it. (laughs) And he's just like, "Uh, yeah, my monitor is broken, but uh, this seems like it's a good match. (laughs) This is him at his most befuddled. And he clearly fucks up when he says she has a bright future here. Because somebody nudges him and he goes, and down raw. Yeah, it's this must be what it is to be an Ed Sheeran rap fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's shitting on him again. Poor Nigel. But I mean, like, seriously, this was weird. Even Nigel can't tell if this girl is on our show or not. When Sonya comes out, the audience is dead. There's not even 
booing. There's no one. There's no yeah. reaction. They don't give a shit. Are you going to be here next week? Why am I going to boo you or cheer you? We were talking about it during the match. And yeah. I feel like the consensus kind of became Stephanie McMahon told Triple H, I want some NXT women's wrestlers to come up to the main roster so that we can have the Royal Rumble. He was put in the position of, okay. Who's ready enough that I can put them on the new sh on the other show? Do I bring up Ember Moon or Kyrie Sane, and it's gonna be big, and they're gonna go over well. Yeah, but, but then the title scene for my show is fucking ruined. It's fucking ruined. Or do I bring up these other people? Well, they bring brought up the other people, but then they realized, oh shit, all of those other people were supposed to support the title scene. Like, yeah. The problem is, is that NXT kind of does too good of a job making a complete ecosystem around a title scene that like you remove one thing and they clearly didn't have the time or inclination to go okay these five people are leaving how do we change our entire storyline to fill it in they go oh fuck we were gonna do this ruby riot sonya deville ember moon thing um let's just do it and bring her back from raw and we can bill it as special because she's coming from raw yeah, and then when the when the when the Royal Rumble is over, they'll all come back. Maybe. I feel like they will. I yeah. think that's what's gonna happen. But it's gonna damage them. I mean, you guys you guys, if you if you didn't watch this match and you're listening to us talk about it, I, I can't tell you we're not even being grim enough about it. Sony Deville at one point rolls out of the ring and you can hear people laughing at jokes that they're making in the audience to each other. Like, I don't even think they're laughing at what's going on in the ring. Yeah. They're talking to each other, and you can hear them laughing. You can hear you people can talking see people, to each other. You can see people looking at their phones. Izzy's dad is looking at his phone. Izzy can't even see because she's, like, behind the barricade. Yeah, she's, you like... You can't even see... You can only see the top of her head, and she's got to be looking at her phone. Sitting down, Izzy is clearly a foot shorter than the barricade. And all you can see is her top knot and headband sticking yeah, out. Yeah, it's like, it's crazy. People are not into this match. And it's gotta be because of this weird back and forth <laughs> booking. Because DeVille was really hot for a while. Yeah. I don't know. It's completely the context. And knowing that it's gonna actually have repercussions in NXT. The second somebody who just got brought up to the main roster is showing up on NXT, you go... This isn't going to matter in a week, so why do I care? Yeah. But at the end, right at the Ember end, Ember is hanging out in the ring, holding her belt over her head. She actually looks victorious and strong, unlike the last time she was in the ring with the belt. Whose music hits? It's Kyrie Sane. She stomps out. She actually has a prop telescope this time, and she opens it up and she looks at ember moon and ember moon is kind of like are you looking at me and she like shakes her head and then does the belt yeah hand motion so That's she's true. like i'm not even looking at you i'm looking at the belt and just as you think this is going to be the new challenger Shayna baszler runs out and puts her in a sleeper hold puts her to sleep and then stands over her yelling as the refs check on her and the entire crowd is into it yeah they like that. Having two overly gimmicky intro wrestlers against each other might be a little too weird for this belt right now. <laughs> Ember has been getting weirder and weirder as she comes in with more and more weird see-through capes and like leather shoulder straps and like barbarian armor shit that 
comes flying off of her. I don't mind the barbarian armor shit. I don't mind the leather shoulder straps, because all of that ties into the... I'm a werewolf. Back on the indies, she was Athena something. Sure. So it's like, she's like the the war goddess, spirit of war kind of thing. It's familiar. The weird, sheer cloak that she comes out in is more of a warlock thing. And she flips it around like... It's like she's in a theater program. Yeah. It looks like she's a Six Flags superhero event actor you know like that's crueler than i ever could be (laughs) she's doing that very theatric swishing like she's like i've really got to become batman (laughs) yeah i mean that's that's basically yeah no it's not fitting and then you have that so you have that come out with the belt and then you have this fucking anime music hit and this like tiny pirate woman come out and swish her own shit around Cause she swishes shit and then spin a wheel and like look through a telescope or a periscope, whatever the, uh, the spyglass, whatever the hell. And then, and then like come out and point at her elbow and do all this shit and like salute everybody and stomp around in the middle of the ring. It's like, it's almost too much. Asuka (laughs) used to come out like she was wild. Asuka used to come out like she was already drunk and she was like, I'm going to fuck everybody up. This is going to be great. And it's a party in the ring. That's different than... Two fantasy dorks. I think that I think that having something like the Oscar lock to back that up really does wonders because if you're known for submitting people, then you can do the goofiest shit and people are like, they're dangerous. Yeah. But the eclipse isn't really enough to make the cloak thing go over. The cloak doesn't even need to be there. I don't understand the cloak. Even when Ember Moon is getting super over yeah the cloak doesn't get over it's when she flips the hood back and her face is lit up in red that everybody cheers yeah just come out in even come out in the cloak and just take the hood off like aj styles like sure that would look good but she's doing this fluttery thing that she isn't a fluttery wrestler so i don't get it no i don't have anything against being fluttery i just think that peyton royce being fluttery you would understand. I think that Baszler versus Moon is going to be better. I think that the problem is going to be, what do you do with Moon? Does she lose the title like right away to Baszler and then Baszler versus Sane? Like, what are you going to do? Not. What do you do? Or Baszler versus Sane first for contendership. That's actually probably a good way to do it. Yeah. That's hopefully what they're going to do. And then Emery really needs to just squash some people. Because it's ridiculous that she couldn't squash Sonya Deville, who's not even going to be on the goddamn show. All right, so now Precious Paul does his uh, book promos. We get a really good promo from Paul Ellering. Yeah. They're standing in not the loading docks for once. There's a lot of corrugated steel. There are also a lot of pipes. I feel like there was a security keypad on a door. Yeah. You know, this is a Full Sail University campus. It's probably like their facilities building. Yeah. It's probably like a septic area or maybe sure. natural gas or something. But they're standing, they aren't even standing in the facilities area. <laughs> they're no, standing they're kind of like weird in a hallway. Yeah. Or, yeah, an alley. Maybe because it's, it's like open outside. air. Yeah. It's really weird. He's talking, and the authors of Pain are both in the background, just flexing and grunting. 
and not in the background like they usually are. They're usually like a foot behind him. And this time, Akum is like four feet behind him. Razar is like 20 feet behind him. Yeah, he's noticeably farther away. His back is turned to them. And he's just flexing and grunting. He's just, they're both just hyperventilating this entire time. Akum is pacing around at least. Yeah. Razar stands completely still and is just going. Now my question is. Why can't we have Roderick Strong back? <laughs> he's not in the he's not in the four way. He could he could just be roaming around. I really I really thought that at the end of this match we were gonna see him like walk out of the septic area and give him like background. a thumbs up, right? Or just like a like yeah. I yeah. remember I remember what it was like to almost win. <laughs> Do like a bro nod and like they bro nod back at him or something. Like I kind of liked that. I still, I still Thinking want... Thinking back on it, I kind of liked it. I still want to see him as the Authors of Pain's version of Zack Sabre Jr., where body type-wise, he doesn't fit in with them, but Paul Ellering is like, actually, he's the most Authors of Pain of all of you because he's now so brutal. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. They're building to it because he just can't catch a break. The book he's writing is more brutal than any book... Any novel that's ever been scribed before. And then he holds up his book, and it's a family scrapbook. <laughs> These are my vacation photos! Weathering Heights. <laughs> I love this book. <laughs> so Very fun. Paul Ellering says that... We are the law. People think that because they've been losing recently, that they have stopped writing their book. They think... I think at one point he says Undisputed Era thinks that they're going to write the next chapter. It's like a kind of catty thing like, you think you're good enough to write the next chapter in our book? Yeah. No, we're not done writing this book. He then says the most out of place thing that Paul Ellering has ever said. He says, this is our house. This is our house. <laughs> That's my page noise. Oh, yeah. You know, when she comes out, yeah. Wee! Yeah, yeah. This Welcome to our house. <laughs> our house in, in the, the middle <laughs> of our street. Oh god. Yeah. It's it's something that was like cool and, and now Paul Ellering is saying it as though it's super brutal. Well he 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 was like thinking of things and he was like I seem to remember our house being pretty big. <laughs> I think we're going to bring that in. Undisputed Era, don't get it twisted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He then does say that uh, they are the law. We are the law. Yeah. And that they are, I think, judge, judge jury, jury, and, and executioner. Execution. We are the judge, the jury, and the executioner. Hell so, yes. Paul Ellering is one of the dark judges. Right. I am the law. He reads a lot of 2000 AD and is like, yeah, this is... I know that we have the writing gimmick, but couldn't we also have the comic book nerd gimmick? I don't see why not. Like, you never said what kind of book it is. That's true. Could be a graphic novel. Oh, I hate that fucking phrase. I know anyway. me too. <laughs> anyway, I was trying to get a rise out of you. 
Um, I just wanted to see the part where Sabatelli and Moss come out and says, so you guys have a book too. You want to see our book? This is your house? Your house is half as nice as our house. <laughs> you know, if you work hard enough. <laughs> you are on borrowed time. Now we do a flashback promo about McIntyre's injury, and then we get a lead-up for each potential contender's storyline of how they got to this four-way. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention because I've been watching all the episodes. I know, we, I have too, but I Although will tell Although we did you, get to see, like, 12 weird silhouette Hulk Barts. He looks a lot like uh, Barts. Yeah, that happened again. We got drawn attention again to this weird fucking hulking but, Bart Simpson. But the weirdest thing about it is that they're, like, giving you an overview of everything that's happened. They insist on... For every match, even though they're devoting, like, 15 seconds for a match. They're just giving you the bare-bones stuff. Before and after the match, they will show you the four Bart Simpsons, and then after the match, the three Bart Simpsons and Killian Dane. Or they'll show you, before the Cassius Ono-Johnny Gargano match, they show Cassius you... Cassius Ono and Bart Simpson! Great job, boys. It's just like Bart. Yeah! What the fuck but is this? But we know Gargano is in it because he's in the fucking match. <laughs> he's in the four-way. They also kept bringing up in this thing before they revealed Gargano that Velveteen Dream was going to be in it. But we learned that the week that it started. Yeah. So they're acting like, oh, Velveteen Dream was supposed to be in it, but because of an they injury. Yeah, they show us promo shit of him in the very beginning. They show us a couple of shots of him in the fucking But literally... Front. The first time that we found out about this competition was William Regal yeah. saying, we're going to have this competition. But even in that first promo, I realized he's like, oh, because of Velveteen Dream's injury, there's going to be a... Yeah. Or... what? Wait, we, but it's not like you set it up last week we that never, Velveteen Dream was going to be in it. Yeah, we didn't expect him to be in it. We never got excited to see Velveteen Dream in this picture because the first mention of his name was that he's not going to be in this match. Yeah, it's not like they had to be like, Tino Sabatelli will not be in this match because he's a tag team wrestler. Riddick Moss will not be in this match because he's a tag team wrestler. <laughs> Right? I mean, I don't know. I don't they don't need this. to tell us everybody that's not going to be in the match. Ember Moon cannot be in this match because we are still not doing intergender wrestling. Because we're weenies. Sexist weenies. I want to see Asuka kick Brock Lesnar's head off. I think she will do that, but you know what? I don't think she could kick Lars Sullivan's head off. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. I am starting to become a very big Lars Sullivan fan. Oh, I am so too. So much. I don't know if I want to be, but I really am. I started this year as an Asuka supremacist, and oh. I will end this year as an Asuka supremacist. Asuka can do whatever the fuck she wants. If she wants to kick Lars Sullivan's head into the stratosphere, she will. Okay, well, I, I appreciate your faith, and I I like it a lot. I just... I don't know about this. I, I don't good. know about this Lars Sullivan. He's winning me over. They spent a lot of time on Alistair Black versus Adam Cole. And it made me still mad that Adam Cole didn't win. Which makes sense for later in the match, which we'll get it to. It does, but still, yeah, it touched a sore spot. We're getting ready to start this match. Everybody's really exciting. 
Uh, Everybody's really exciting. Yeah, everybody is really exciting in the match. Those people are very Uh, exciting people. Fucking pedant. The camera camera pans across the audience and you're like, look at that guy. He looks like he has an interesting life. (laughs) So no, everybody is very excited. Johnny Gargano comes out first. Johnny Wrestling Chance, boom. Everybody loves him. Even after all four of them are in the ring... The prevailing attitude is, we love Johnny Wrestling. It yes. is not an, It is a loud Johnny Wrestling chant, and then all of the three other fans talking over each other. Yes. So you get Johnny Wrestling, and then you get... Every once in a while, you hear somebody weirdly saying, Alistair. Well, he's definitely the second biggest name right now in the crowd, but... I mean, a lot of people like Dane. There are actually people who like Lars. It's it's not it's not cut and dry. But the one thing that is cut and dry is everybody fucking loves Johnny Gargano. Yeah. He's just the cutiest little guy. He put all of his fucking points in agility and charisma, and it's been paying off. It really has. Not a lot of wisdom, though, because he keeps going for that slingshot spear. <laughs> yeah, this is the... 20th time in a row that he's gone for a slingshot spear and Alistair Black just, he doesn't even knee him in the face. He just lifts his knee up and Johnny Gargano's head collides full force with his knee and the whole crowd goes, ooh. The crowd did not like Alistair Black. Well, good, because you know what? We need to feel something for him. And I'd be happy with him being heel. I'd be happy with him being face. I don't like him right now because he's just not anything. And he's so good, I really want him to have something. Johnny Gargano hits him a couple of times, gets him in a couple of submission holds. He sells like a fucking beast. Alistair Black, I want to see more of him now because of his selling. His facial expressions are fantastic, and the way that he, like, collapses is great. I think the best part of him selling is... Uh, much like Roderick Strong last week with his Scooby-Doo, I've seen a ghost face. Yeah. Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with! His selling is primarily a dropping of the guard that he clearly has. He's always shown as brooding, but also calm and collected. Johnny yeah. Gargano hits him with, like, I want to say a step-up in Siguri or something. When the camera catches his face, he's like... How the fuck did that happen? Yeah, he's shocked. People aren't supposed to hit me. It's legitimate shock. I'm fucking Aleister Black, goddammit. Yeah, it looks really good. He then immediately gets him in a crossface, and again, he's like, oh shit. Yeah, he's when he gets into the Gargano, when he's in the Gargano escape, he really looks like he's considering tapping. He looks like he's really, oh shit, I'm fucked now. I didn't know other people could wrestle. Yeah, it's great. I want to see more of that. How about that uh, Dana Sullivan shit going on? That yeah. was pretty fucking great. Not, Everyone could have called that. It yeah, was gonna not happen. not not that it was a you know million to one bet, but you were completely right. Anyone would have. Dane and Lars Sullivan spend probably eighty percent of the time that they're able to move, just trying to destroy each other. Yeah, Lars Sullivan has cleared the announce table. He's gonna put. Johnny Gargano threw it. Johnny Gargano holds on to the lighting rig, which Morrow calls... The infrastructure. 
Yeah. Johnny Gargano clinging to the infrastructure. It's a shame about that crumbling infrastructure we got in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I guess it's I guess it's holding up pretty well though because it can withstand <laughs> Lars Sullivan. Yeah, Donald Trump, who clearly <laughs> is watching NXT. Turns out we don't need to put any money into the infrastructure. What a cold winter we're having. Combine that with the strong infrastructure on NXT. I guess I'm being proved right about a lot of things. <laughs> oh, shit. We live in a fucking hell world where he's our president. <laughs> so anyway, Johnny Gargano kind of, he clings on to the infrastructure. The way he gets off of Lars Sullivan is Lars Sullivan still does the powerbomb move and yeah. just and just nothing's there he, nothing's there he just he spider-man's onto that Lars Sullivan turns around Johnny Gargano kicks him in the face he falls onto the announce table Johnny Gargano's about to do something when he looks up and on the entrance ramp is Killian Dane and just vanishes basically it's pretty cool to see Gargano run and flee in fear <laughs> from the giant 4,000 pound man yeah who sails gracefully through the air like a swan before landing on the announce table. Bam! Boom. And busting water both. Bottles. Yeah, water bottles go flying. Dane and Sullivan, they don't get any gashes. So they aren't bleeding profusely, but they have the stippling of blood where you can tell that they got hit so hard that blood is just forcing its way out of their body in an attempt yeah. to escape. Ugh. The poor life choices these two people have made. Yeah, it's one of those, like, uh, it's not a rug burn, but it's basically that. It's like an impact, yeah. like, bruise that with the blood coming out of the skin. And it's pretty Lars bad. Lars Sullivan on has Lars, it on, it's on his, his neck. neck. Yeah, it looks bad. He also has one on his side. And then yeah. Dane later on, you can tell. Dane's, yeah, right under his elbow is, like, totally opened up. It is opened up, but it also, early on, kind of looks more like when you skin your knee really bad yeah. biking as a kid. That's, I think yeah. he didn't cut himself open. He just... I think he ripped some skin off. He he tore some skin off. And, of course, he doesn't give a shit. No, he's great. Weirdly, I mean, the ref doesn't give a shit either. The ref does not put on gloves. The ref is like, yeah, I love blood. Maybe. <laughs> and this is going to sound bad. And it's going to make me sound like an asshole. Maybe Dane's, like, the only guy with, like, clean blood. <laughs> maybe the maybe the ref is like getting ready to put the gloves on he sees that it's dane that's open he's like oh this guy's really healthy <laughs> everyone a, else has hepatitis yeah every couple of months he goes into the doctor and gets blood work made up and then tacks it to the company cork board and it's like hey guys just wanted to let you know Still yeah. no hepatitis. He's got a stamp that he had made himself that says still clean that he just stamps on his paperwork every time. I thought that you were going to say on his forehead. Oh, that'd Like be great. USDA beef. Yeah, it's USDA like... clean. <laughs> there was some other fun stuff too where Sullivan looked super dominant right early on where uh, everybody tried to do a, a suicide dive on him and he caught everybody and smashed him into the wall or something. And then when Dane does it, it's like, there's no way he's going to catch him. And he doesn't. It, they just, they collapse on top of each but other. But it was really, I mean, before this match started, we were both talking. And I mentioned, because I think that we've both, we're both hesitant about four-way matches. Just because they can get muddied pretty yeah. easily. These four guys seem to get the pacing and callback nature of wrestling so well. that. Yeah. It flows pretty well. 
There's no clunky transitions here. And the Alistair Black diving on uh, Lars Sullivan and him putting him into the apron and then Johnny Gargano diving on him and him doing a power slam and then you see Killian Dane in the middle of the ring and he's like runs runs the ropes jumps over you're like god this is not gonna fucking go well it, it's pretty good you definitely feel like that's something they worked out all together oh yeah it, it's a lot i'm of sure fun. they did they, it, there was a lot here that they probably worked out together yeah. but like for instance i like the match where ember won her belt i think more than some other people but i can admit that it wasn't that great of a match that was more great because of that moment of asuka presenting her the belt right right there was like emotional payoff to that match there was also a lot of great wrestling but not a lot of tight wrestling because a number of times somebody would get kicked in the stomach which usually wouldn't do anything and then they would roll out of the ring like they needed time because they were setting up something to happen yeah there's none of that in this match every single time somebody is left behind it's because Killian Dane just jumped on them from 20 feet in the air, and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. They're no yeah. longer in the match. It, it makes sense that Lars Sullivan is taken out of the match for so long. But also it makes sense when Aleister Black gets taken out of, of the match, course. because oh, Lars yeah. Sullivan ramps him into the ring apron. Yeah, and we know that Aleister Black is very strong and very great, but Aleister Black is so great that he just never gets hit by anything. So like, when he actually gets hit by something really strong, yeah. he's not he's not immune. We know that. So it makes sense. Um, and there are a lot of really fun parts where there are only two people in the ring and it makes sense for that to happen. Yeah. Like when Gargano and Alistair are in the ring together and this is when like, this is right after that table spot. So both the big guys are out of commission for a while. This is when the audience is thunderous yeah. for both of these guys. Yeah. They both, they love them both. But then they have a period of time together. Yeah, that's pretty good, but, but the first short. person, the first person to come back is Dane, Ooh. and they both realize, We oh, can't beat Dane alone. Yeah, so, so it then makes sense for them to team up. It doesn't feel like one of those moments where, like, Ember Moon has to team up with Nikki Cross to take out Peyton Royce, and you're like, you, you didn't need to, like... No, yeah. All three of those people probably could have taken out the other two people on their own. Just like, you just wanted to get this spot in. But when Gargano and Aleister Black do a double powerbomb to him, yeah. to Dane, it's really fun. It's awesome. Because it looks like Aleister Black, he's, he's trying to do the powerbomb off the ropes. And you're like, he's not getting it. What the fuck? Why is it taking so long? I like Why doesn't he run away? And then Gargano just runs up and you're like, oh shit. Dane had been trying to do a move on Aleister Black, and he slips out, and he's trying to do the avalanche powerbomb. Dane is still up on the ropes, and he's kind of kicking his back leg in that, like, not violently, but just like, hey, let, let go. Yeah. Let go. Fuck you, let go. Yeah, he, he he doesn't feel he needs to take it seriously. It's it's really good. He's uh, not bothered. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it, it tells the story of this segment, which is like, Dane is clearly so physically imposing neither of these guys could stand up against him so this is really a good push for Dane. like we've been talking about dane getting pushed all the way to the moon and this is part of it because even when he loses he loses to two guys <laughs> yeah yeah 
So that's pretty fun. Or he gets taken out of the match earlier because he did a devastating move to Lars yeah, Sullivan. Yeah, right. You know? It's he's he looks he actually comes out I think still looking the strongest even though he doesn't win. How I think long he looks is that going to work? So do you strong. think? Because it seems Dang. like yeah, it seems like the past six matches he's had have all been he loses but he looks amazing. Honestly, I think they could keep it up, and the reason why is because they're keeping it up with him as a singles competitor. I think they could. He could keep squashing guys or beating guys, going all the way up and looking like he could be a contender. And then sanity drama, like tag team drama, could actually draw him away from the scene, the picture. Because yeah. you're right, he's not really a main... He's he's not a championship belt guy. Not yet, at least. No, and like even when he is, it's going to be one of those weird short runs. It's Probably. not going to be a long run. But he's not, like, because he doesn't have the look for it. He doesn't have, like, the... He doesn't speak. Like, there's a lot of things you know, about him I that, think that he's I not... think the problem is Sanity is so over yeah. because everybody in Sanity is really fucking cool. But that also means that they're hesitant to have Sanity members succeed on their own. Mm. And I think that that's one of the reasons why Nikki Cross keeps attempting to win the belt but won't win the belt anytime soon because... Much like Dane, you don't really need her to have a belt on her. Right, you right just, now she's over already. You just need her to like fucking eye gouge people and hit them with chairs and bite the ropes. It's still so fucking gross when he, she bites the ropes. That is pretty nasty. That's like that's like a thousand guys sweat from a thousand years. I think that she has stopped doing it, but I'm betting that she didn't stop because she wanted to, but because some... Like her, like, her doctor was like, you cannot do that anymore. The WWE Medical Council, whoever they are, were like, you're gonna get MRSA. You know that, right? <laughs> you're gonna get a horrible infection because these ropes are just covered in sweat and blood and pus. Like, just leave it the fuck alone. We clean them. We change them. It's not enough. We're doing these things and we're telling you it's not enough. <laughs> yeah, don't put it in your mouth. Do you think that there's just a <laughs> big jar of Barbasol in the background that just has a bunch of ropes coiled up in like it? A, uh, oh, yeah, like a bathtub full of blue liquid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. It's still not enough. No. Let's talk about how they almost, they were, they were really, they were tantalizing us with the ability to call them out for fucking up Lars Sullivan and they didn't do it, thank God. Because he almost died. Lars Sullivan Not almost only that. lost to fucking Black Mass, which I still think he should have no-sold because his head is huge. Are you kidding me? His head is tiny. His head Compared is... to his body, his head is like a peanut. Well, no, 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 that's He looks true. like Zippy the Pinhead. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm not talking about compared to him. I'm talking about I think it probably weighs 400 pounds. <laughs> it's a perspective issue. You have to understand also, he reads a lot. He's got a big brain. <laughs> He's a logophile. I kind of wish that would happen. Because you almost saw Cole. Give me that shit. I don't give a shit. And then he got hit by any any loss. Yeah. And, and, and it was going to happen to Sullivan. And I was like, I don't know if I could handle Lars Sullivan losing to a black mass. But here's why it's perfect. Yeah. Because Alistair Black hits Lars Sullivan with a black mass. First of all, Alistair Black clears Dane out of the ring yeah. when it's him, Lars Sullivan, and Dane by just kicking 
Dane and Lars Sullivan back and forth repeatedly. Yeah, and so, he does this weird like spin combo shit on Dane, which is kind of so, weird looking. Whatever, so it's they're, cool. It's cool. They're making him look almost ungodly powerful. Mm. And then he hits the black mask, and he goes for the cover, and it hits two and a half, and then Undisputed Era run in. First, it's just Fish and O'Reilly. First, it's just Fish and O'Reilly. They pull Alistair Black off. He's actually able to take them both out with... Because they're Some king... weird, goofy, spinning shit, well, like again. Because they're kings of the goofy spot, they're standing... One, two, and he kicks Bobby Fish with a super kick in the jaw, and Bobby Fish's head snaps back and hits O'Reilly, and so they both fall down. O'Reilly loves getting hit by shit. I mean, it's what we were talking about last week. They're like, we're so good. What's the goofiest shit we could do? Yeah. I know, Alistair Black, you kick Fish, and he's going to fall into me, and that's going to take us both out. Yeah. So then Fish goes back in. He's going to go for the pin again. And that's when Adam Cole Bebe shows up. He pulls him out. They fight on the outside. I thought when he first went for that pin on Lars Sullivan, I was so fucking pissed off. Yeah. Yes. There were two guys in that ring that have never been pinned. Lars Sullivan and Aleister Black. And you're going to tell me that Lars Sullivan is going to eat a pin before that little toothpick Alistair Black is going to eat one? Come on. Are you fucking kidding me? Lars Sullivan is a monster and he has this weird tattoo and he's a fucking... He's amazing. They did the, the, they, they did the silhouette spot for him again this week. He is getting over. Do not have him take a pin before Alistair Black. He's also a certified genius like Wiley Coyote. Sure. He's absolutely like Wiley. He sounds like Wiley Coyote <laughs> in those weird cartoons where Wiley Coyote can somehow talk for some reason. Uh, although that might have been Ralph. Oh, yeah, that's right. There was another Coyote. Yeah. Not only did he almost go over Lars Sullivan, he almost went over Lars Sullivan after. Putting up token resistance to Dane and having it actually go over. Basically, it looked like because we were expecting bullshit booking because he went over Adam Cole, it looked like they were going to do bullshit booking again. I, I'm right there with you. And, I was feeling the same thing. And then Undisputed Era come in and they kick the shit out of Aleister Black and then Johnny Gargano does a suicide dive against Adam Cole, but That's then great. realizes that he can't pin Adam Cole, so he slides Aleister Black in and doing a slingshot DDT, which looks really good. That was really cool. Gets the pin, gets the win, and everybody goes fucking nuts. Yeah, and it's great that he pinned Black, too, because now Black is no longer undefeated, and now he doesn't have that stink on him. Because now, in the future... When you see a match with Black, it's like, okay, well, he's already lost. If he loses, it's believable that that would happen. So when Velveteen Dream comes back from his, you know, kayfabe injury, he can challenge him and be like, I want to win off of you now. You said my name, now I want to beat you. Or like... And even, also, I'm clearly not a heel anymore because everybody fucking loves me. He can't be a heel if he tried. <laughs> he's the face of the world. And, and like, you know, it's just, it's just good. It's good to see that. You could see all these matches that we've already seen, and we could see them without having to be like, oh, let's see how Aleister Black beats him this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, in a way, it also will help 
with Alistair Black's character because he's not going to be like Mr. Bland anymore. Maybe he's going to get mad that he loses every once in a while. On top of that, two weeks ago we were talking about the Alistair Black-Adam Cole match and the poor booking decisions. And I was saying that it felt like they were making these poor booking decisions because he had this streak and they didn't want him to lose it in a stupid way. But they also kept wanting to have him on TV because he's so over. Now I'm looking back on it and I'm thinking we might have been wrong that that was a bad booking decision in the first place. Yeah. Because him going over Adam Cole, him clearing the ring of Dane single-handedly, and him almost pinning Lars Sullivan. By the time he goes for that Lars Sullivan pin, there are boos in the audience. I think that they have been using quote-unquote poor booking to have him have a heel turn, which is genius because basically they're like, who is the NXT audience? They're a bunch of smarks. So we got to turn this guy heel in a smarky way. He can't just come out and be like, I actually hate Florida. What he's got to do is he's got to go over somebody that they think should go over him. And then we'll be like, boo, fuck you, Alistair Black. And yeah. then Johnny Gargano gets the win and we're like, yay! Yeah. <laughs> they and made a good booking decision. Awesome. Yeah. And a three foot tall guy didn't pin Lars Sullivan, which is great. Yeah, yeah. That's true too. <laughs> So, you know, I, I think you're totally right about that. I think you're totally onto something. And it's great to think that they might have been thinking about this as far back as two episodes ago or however long ago it was. That's actually really great. It draws a serious contrast yeah, yeah. to some other shows that we could name. Or some other shows that have people that have been showing up recently on NXT and possibly ruining the booking of NXT. Yes, we're talking about Raw. <laughs> Raw specifically and the main roster in general. In general, yeah. SmackDown is usually better. But it's just like, yeah. I think this is the kind of thing that they were hinting that they were trying to do with Jinder's championship run. Yeah. Was yeah. like, we're going to make the nerds mad and that's going to make Jinder a better heel. And it we're gonna didn't make the work nerds because not only the nerds, the nerds weren't the only one that were mad. I think that they were doing more with Jinder because I think that what they were doing with Jinder was... Getting the nerds mad because a guy that they thought was undeserving, quote-unquote. Yeah, the super jobber. I might be somewhat of a smart, but I'm also trying to be a more enlightened smart, so I never thought that. I Like, he, he's good, fine, whatever. Yeah. But there were definitely a bunch of people online that were like, So you're telling me that this guy who blah, 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 and fuck you, right? They got mad. And then, you know, I bleed red, white, and blue, white oh, trash. Yeah. Racist Patriots. guys got mad. Racist guys got mad because somebody brown was calling them racist. But the thing was, was that they were doing that to hopefully also get India to care about wrestling more. Because That's true. And yeah. the thing that sucks is just as Jinder Mahal was finally starting to get over as a heel that people could actually get behind as a heel, he started cutting good promos, he started doing, or at least better than before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They looked at how many people bought tickets to that Indian tour and were like, oh, nobody cares about Jinder? Fucking cut him. Let's get that Flat Earth guy over here. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Gay no, I... community? They got gay community guy. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. I want to like AJ so much because he's so good. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that you can I, like... I do like AJ. I and think... I think, you know what, as a person, I think I'd probably like him too and have a beer with him. He'd probably be really nice. I think that you can like AJ... I don't if know. you don't expect somebody who's smart about a certain thing to be smart about everything. That's he true. is a genius when it comes to he's, wrestling. He's a Dominion he, Heroes guy. Yeah, he's a genius when it comes to wrestling. If he thinks that... If he believes in the time cube, let him believe in the time cube. You know? So what? So he believes that we live inside the Earth and the sun is a globe that... But we don't know that he really believes... Oh, man. I don't even want to get into this. <laughs> Guys, I don't want to get into this because I kind of like AJ. I think he's really good. Alec really can't stand flat earth stuff. I find it funny and Alec finds it troubling. I do find it troubling. I think it's... Buy a fucking balloon and put a video camera on it. For God's <laughs> sake! <laughs> Jesus! You My can solve the problem! You can find out for your own goddamn self. My favorite thing is when flat earth people come up with an experiment to prove that the earth is flat. And then they... Oh, like the guy that put the fucking uh, laser level or whatever on the plane? Jesus Christ. And then, and then their experiment fails. And then they come up with a convoluted conspiracy about why the experiment failed instead of just being like, oh... The experiment that was supposed to prove that the Earth is flat pointed towards the Earth being round. It's these fuck. It's the fucking Bilderberg Group. They've made it so that <laughs> they made it so that the airplane doesn't need to tilt his fucking nose. I I don't need to hear about this shit anymore. I'm done. I I don't know. I feel bad about the whole thing. I feel bad because these people are real people. I'm sorry, guys. Oh. The only flat earthers I support are the weird anarchist flat earthers over at Street Fight Radio. Oh man, I don't know if I even want to know what that is. They're just funny anarchists. You saw a photo of one of them wearing a Kenny Omega shirt. Oh, he's a he's a he's a flat earther. No, he's they they use the phrase flat earth as a um, metaphor for building a planet without hierarchy, without upper and lower classes or people in charge and people not in charge you see all this flowery shit is why no one gets behind your shit guys i wouldn't really describe two guys drinking and doing kratom as flowery well i would say saying flat earth is like a hierarchical blah blah something whatever listen i could read plato but i don't <laughs> yes you do shut up they don't know that you spent like Half of a they recent, don't know that <laughs> recent Sailor Moon podcast talking about Hegelian relationships. Did she leave that in? I didn't listen to that yes. one yet. Oh damn it! So don't act like you're some blue collar. I don't know nothing. Well, I'm probably wrong about that Hegelian stuff because I I, I haven't studied it in years. Right. So the gender thing it, it was a little different, but I could tell. But that's kind of what you're talking about, like. That, that was, it worked well when Alistair Black that, hit that threshold yeah. and went over it. I think that the main roster analog is more like when people talk about how pushing Roman actually does solidify him as a heel. 
That actually is probably... Yeah, that's really solid. I think Triple H has actually said shit like that in interviews. Yeah. Like, well, we know people don't like Roman, so we Although, shove them down your throat. Yeah. I kind of agree with that because my opinion has always been, you know how I know who the heels are? They're the people I don't like. Yeah. Like, you know who I don't consider a heel? Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Right. No, they're I mean, fighting the man. Too. Yeah. And not just that. I mean, they're fun and they're a lot of fun yeah. and I like. I would say that... And they're cute and they're best friends. I would say that before Sanity had an official face turn, I considered them faces because I was like, oh yeah, I knew weird anarcho punks like that in high school. I like sure. these guys. Yeah. Authors of Pain would come out and I'd be like, I don't know, they feel like proto-Nazis. I don't like them. And an undisputed era is is not is not heels to me. I won't boo them because I think it's important to have healthy self esteem. Yeah, that's good for you, undisputed era. You believe in yourselves. Yeah, guys, it's important to believe in yourself even when you lose. It's important to say you're undisputed even when you haven't done anything yet. And now they're keeping the name even though Cole lost. Yeah, well, because he's not the era. He's just one guy. <laughs> The era is still undisputed. I see. How many how many guys have to lose before the era becomes disputed? Years will have to lose. Years will have to lose. Because it's an era. It's measurement of time. I I don't know, but there are shirts. People have shirts in the audience. We have the shirts. We're wearing the shirts. We They, they can't mess it up. They can't change the name. What am I going to do? Put a big X over the un part? Disputed era? <laughs> It's like a yep movement thing, but they just take a Sharpie marker and just... We can uh, get some of that electrical tape from Kevin Apex or whatever his yeah. name was. NWO Apex Jeremy. <laughs> well, did, did... At this point, I was literally trying to remember if we had said Gargano won. We did. We did. We, we did. said that. <laughs> so we're covered. We're all good. So... After Gargano wins... They do an extended replay section of the match because after Dane frog splashed into Lars Sullivan and destroyed the announce table, destroyed the announce table for oh the rest God. of the match, Moro is the only one talking and he keeps saying things like, Nigel is just here trying to set our table back up or... Nigel's trying... trying to get his feed back. Nigel's trying to get his audio equipment working. I'm the only one that has a feed right now, but, um... We're... <laughs> Nigel gets audio back at one point, and he's like, Oh, I, I, I can't see what's going on. I don't have a monitor, but this seems really great. This seems like a really good match. And then, because Nigel is the official guy to do the recaps, the recaps start, and they're like, Go on, Nigel. And he spends the entire time going... And then, what about this... Oh, suicide dive from Johnny Gargano. It was really great. And then... Oh, Adam Cole shows up. Oh, Adam Cole. He was bad. Did, didn't like Adam Cole. Yeah, wow. I can't believe he showed up. I was wondering. I thought I saw him. Oh, look at him now. In this is close. not... Yeah. This is not the first time I've seen this match. Yeah, I... Oh... The fact that he didn't cheer when Johnny Gargano got the pin in the replay is a testament to how professional he is. 
for a while, him and Moro were jockeying because, like, I always kind of feel like I'm inclined to like Naito more than Moro, but, like, I want to give Moro his fair shake because Moro, let's face it, he's a real dork and I love him. Yeah, Moro is great. The problem but you is, know what? is Nigel, that. Nigel, holy shit. And this really solidified it. I think Nigel's the top comment. Moro and Percy. Moro is better than Percy, but both of them are fine. I really like Moro. Didn't like. The shit that happened with him and JBL. Glad he's back. Yeah. But he is play-by-play. He doesn't get a lot of character on his own. Nigel can get himself over with no monitor feed and no headphone feed. Just being like, I'm Nigel. I don't know what's going on, but... And not only does he get himself over, but Nigel does spend a lot of time getting the talent. Oh, yeah, definitely. He gets the, the wrestlers over in a way that I think... Moro tries to do, but can't do without being fun and and snarky. When Nigel gets people over, it's like Nigel is standing there in awe of them. Moro gets wrestlers over by reacting to the shit they do. He's a big Mamma Mia guy. Yeah, somebody does a... You know, standing Spanish fly or something. Sure. And he reacts like he just saw a bus plow into a storefront, but happy. (laughs) Yeah. It's that level of intensity, but he's not like, oh my god, this is horrible. He's like, holy shit, that's amazing. Yeah. Nigel, much like I think a lot of people have said this about Corey Graves, Nigel gets over people's characters because he responds to to their character and the relationship he has to their character he is a heel commentator because he has heelish tendencies but sometimes that means he likes faces but for the wrong reasons yeah both him and Corey, they don't just like bad guys and dislike good guys Corey did this thing where he clearly just likes anybody that's considered regency almost he really liked charlotte flair because Mm. she was the queen he liked alexa bliss because she's She's the the goddess goddess. yeah right where why isn't he putting over his fellow commentator king booker king booker king booker (laughs) nobody says funnier shit than king booker Yeah, so that's another thing that we should say really quickly. Both Alec and I love Booker T's commentary. Not because we consider it great commentary, but because we consider it entertaining commentary. Booker T was one of my favorite wrestlers growing up. Booker T, Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle were so big. Booker T could take a shit on the floor and I'd look at it and I'd probably think it was awesome. I still walk up to Alec and... Oh, shit. All right. Oh, my God. I I still have to hear it. I know I'm laughing. I still sometimes walk up to Alec and treat him like Booker T treated Eric Rowan one time, where before a pay-per-view, Eric Rowan comes to the commentary table, and the rest of the commentators are like, oh, and you're going up against this person in the match tonight, and, like, are you... Booker T is just sitting there going... You're looking real jack. You're looking real jack, baby. You've been working out. You're looking, you're looking real jack, baby. You're looking real jack. You, you don't you don't want that one. You don't want that one. That's the one you want right there. You're looking real jack, baby. You looking jacked, man. Hey, hey man. Hey man, you looking jacked. 
you looking real jacked. You looking jacked, man. At one point, one of the other commentators asks <laughs> Booker T how he thinks the match is going to go. Literally, all he has to say is, I think Eric Rowan is going to win, or I think the other guy is going to win. And he goes, I don't know. He's looking jacked, man. <laughs> God bless Booker T. I love him. And he could, he still couldn't get the Spinner Rooney over with me, but I love him. I do love him. Just to say that Nigel... Nigel's good. Ni- yes, Nigel is good. It's fun to have somebody charismatic on the mic, and even when their monitor goes out or they're unintelligible, it is good to have a fun guy on the mic. This is where I'm like, where the fuck was Percy? Was Percy here? Was he really here? Those monitors went out, and he... I mean, like... Did he disappear? We're gonna have to watch this again. I want to see the part where the monitor table gets cleared off. I don't... where the fuck was Percy? I don't blame him for this, but he did the thing that anybody working retail has done, where, like, one... Is he there? We we gotta look this up. One thing breaks. Like, a register breaks, or the plumbing breaks, or something, and technically the store can still be open, but you go... Oh, we're closing up, right? I gotta go now, so uh, I'm out. Yeah, it must have been that. <laughs> they broke the commentary table, so I could clock out, right? Because where the fuck, did, where the fuck was he? All right, whatever. It's good. This was a good episode. This was a really good episode. I liked it a lot. I'm really happy. I'm. This sounds weird because I'm saying this because here's the thing. That wasn't even for a belt. <laughs> Now we've got to see Gargano versus Almas, and this is going to be fucking crazy. I hope nobody good. shows up, ruins the match for him. No, I couldn't imagine anybody would, right? There's nobody possibly ever who could show up and ruin it the match It hasn't been roughly Gargano. six to eight months since something horrible happened. Yeah, I don't even know what you're talking about, but it's impossible that somebody with an ankle injury could have possibly recovered in the amount of time that you're talking about. And could possibly show up. Six to eight months? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, there's no way, right? Ankle injury is like years. It's not six to eight months. I I don't even know where I'm pulling six to eight months from. Yeah, I don't know why you would say that. I don't even... Yeah. There's no way. Basically, this is going to be a very straight up regular match that's going to be very solid. No cheating and no interferences. Zelina Vega is going to look Johnny Gargano in the eyes before the match and say, I hope you do well. I'm going to leave you two to battle honorably and then leave ringside. I believe she's on vacation. She might even be, uh, I don't know, in Miami or something. I think she's taking an, a well-earned vacation. That's what I thought was going to happen. That's good. Yeah, good for she her. She deserves it. Yes, absolutely. All the fucking work she's done with Andrade? Yeah, of course. A ton of work. And she should she should go off and celebrate, and I believe that's what she's doing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was the episode. It was a really good episode. It was a great episode. Um, that fatal four-way really turned me around, because I really don't like four-ways, but this was really good. And I don't know what the fuck is going to happen next week, but I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, Sabatelli and Moss versus Heavy Machinery. Yeah, hopefully Heavy Machinery throws one guy into another guy. I'd like to see Dozovich pick up both Savitoli and Moss. Yeah. At the same time, one on each arm. I just want Dozovich to bring back the Fred Flintstone shit that he used to do. Yeah, yeah, it might happen. We haven't gotten a lot of Bing Bang Shabadoos or 
Oogada boogada diggity doos or any of that. And it might happen because if there's someone who's gonna play along with that, it's probably gonna be Riddick Moss with yeah. Sabatelli there to look straight faced on and be like, What's going on? Why are you doing that? Why are we doing any of this? We should be at home with our pug dogs. Yeah. I just finished knitting that other sweater. I feel like when Dozovich runs, there's a minute where he hovers in midair and his toes go... Dozovich runs? Yeah. He's Fred Flintstone. I know, I was making another joke about how he probably can't run. Yeah, because Fred Flintstone looked like a real runner. That's true, Fred Flintstone did not look like he could run. Also, I don't Barney think I Rubble would... looks like a real runner. Barney could probably run. He just didn't have a neck. I keep calling him Fred Flintstone because he has the weird catchphrases, but based on their size and body shape, he's, he's the Barney Rubble. He's the, yeah, Barney he's Rubble. the Barney Rubble. Tucker Knight is the Fred Flintstone. But Tucker Knight doesn't say "bing a banga" or anything like that. No. Maybe we should be looking at other Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Maybe it's a Top Cat situation. We just haven't been looking into it. The next time you see me, I might have an entire wall of my apartment with yarn stretched on it. <laughs> yeah, red, and there's red, like, red yarn pinned into the walls. There's like Snaggletooth up here. Yeah. God damn it. Jabberjaw would work, but there's only one of him. This episode has probably gone on way this too long. This is almost two hours. Yeah. There's a lot that I cut out probably there's, pretty there's, easy. There's, there's ten minutes or more of other conversations scattered throughout. There's at least five minutes of Emily came home. Yeah, there's, there's, well, I mean, there's ten minute long conversations just yes. scattered throughout. There's at least six of them that you can just pull. <laughs> Honestly, this is probably a really tight episode because as soon as you pull everything that's not, yeah, yeah, you probably yeah. don't have to do any editing. I'm, Other I'm, than pulling everything. You I, know what? Don't edit it at all. Just release the whole two hours. <laughs> so this has been a fun episode. We're both obviously feeling the effects of our whiskey a little bit. I don't know about both, but sure. I'm no selling it. <laughs> Just want to let you know that we are on Apple Podcasts as well as Stitcher. That's Please right. like us, rate us, review us, subscribe to us. 30 people listened last week, so... We know you're out there. Please tell your friends. I almost said your friends and family, but maybe you don't want to share this one with your family. No, you don't want to share any, any wrestling-related shit with your family. Unless they're big marks, too. You can contact us. We're at whatsnxtpod at gmail.com. Has anyone responded to the whatsnxtpod at gmail.com challenge? No, they haven't. What is that challenge, Alec? That challenge is to see if anyone will ever email Tristan at whatsnxtpod at gmail.com. If you do. And you're not somebody that we know. Thanks, Mr. Regal. You have to be someone we don't know. If you do, email at whatsnxtpod at gmail.com to Tristan with a comment about the show or something. I don't really know. It could just be a gif of fucking Daryl Takahashi. I don't give a shit. As long as it's something, you will become a meme. So we will be contractually obligated to mention you several times a season. A season. Yeah, sure. A sure. Season. Don't worry. Let's keep it vague here. We don't want to get all like... We don't want to fucking ride ourselves into a corner here. We'll mention you at least once. Yeah. And winning the... <laughs> yeah, we'll mention you when we talk about winning the thing. Winning the competition might be the mention you get, but... Yeah. But we might mention you later. You might become a character. Yeah. Hopefully you have an interesting name. 
Hopefully you have a bland name. Hopefully it's not in between. Because both of those we can work with. But like... I feel like now you're adding some stink to it because somebody out there is named like John Johnson and they're like, I that's don't want to That's great though because that's fucking bland as shit. I could make all kinds of shit about that. We I'm could, talking about like maybe like Jonas. Jonas is like, what the fuck? Who gives a shit? We could have. If called, your name's Jonas, email in anyway because then you'll just fucking you'll piss me off and then that'll be some material. If your name is John Johnson and you become a meme, we could say things like NWO Jackson, more like John Johnson. He's so bland. That's what we could do exactly. We've spent about <laughs> ten minutes describing this fucking email thing. <laughs> also, I do a Sailor Moon podcast. Listen to that. Also, you can contact me. I'm on Twitter at Enemy of Both. Good. Do that. Tune in next year to find out what's next. What's NXT? But to see what's in store for us next year. What? You'll just have to tune in next time. What? And oh, next right. time. <laughs> I fucked that up. <laughs> There's a stinger. How about my wrong buzzy? To find out what happens next year, Ooh. tune in next week. No, I fucked it up again. <laughs> <laughs>